0: Welcome to episode 5 of Mondays with Mark the Impression Podcast putting the motive in automotive. Today I'm delighted to be joined by James O'Nions, director of Garage Wire. Hi James. Morning Mark. I was thinking this morning James about how I or how we in the same profess- profession sum up the last few months um and I came up with a number of uh, superlatives and words tell us your uh, tell us your words tell us your summing up of the last few months.
1: I think the word not to use is unprecedented because everybody's covering that one. So it's been a challenge, hasn't it? And I think from a mindset point of view, pretty tough. You're working as hard or harder than ever. You know, I look after more the commercial end of it. And Mike, who you know, my colleague Mike Ruff will look after the editorial output. But from a commercial perspective, from a business perspective, you're working harder than ever um for, for a vastly reduced um income so keeping the wheels turning uh, keeping the output going it, it's been a challenge because you just think well i'm just doing what i've always done but the results that i used to get are 30 40 percent of what we might expect so it's tricky out there
0: as a as a leading magazine or a leading website in in the automotive industry uh, you must have heard some very interesting there there i say horrendous tales in the last few months
1: yeah, and I think it's a privileged position, isn't it? We probably take it for granted a bit, but I think to be connected in and be able to speak to um, you know all the different points of the market. So we've got, um, we've been running for six, seven years. So we've got garages that, that, that are friends of the business. They write for us, they provide time, they help us. Um, uh, so we've had had their stories um which very much bring home the reality of it all, and then obviously at the sort of um moving up through the supply chain uh motor factors uh supplier brands trade associations um and yeah it's it's a privileged position to get all those different points of view um through a time where something's changed so quickly you know that that was the thing particularly early on wasn't it? it mm. was just going like a train wasn't it, so you just orientate yourself and it seems a long time ago already but you just orientate yourself with right you know there's this update and this is where we are and then it was changing 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 so that was pretty disorientating um, um, but, but, but I think the trade pretty quickly got on top of the requirements and um, started looking forward.
0: I was really interested uh, in conversations that you and I had probably going back a few months because I know uh, just naturally that People were moving more online for their news consumption. You know that we've we've seen the stats that say actually everyone switched online. Uh, due in a lot of respects to the to the to the movement that they've been able to, or the lack of movement they've been able to to, to do. How does it tally up with with a with a business or a website like yours when a lot of the industry is on furlough, a lot of the garages have closed, but possibly you're still seeing rises in traffic to the website.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. We weren't sure what we were going to get. I don't think anybody was, but um, very clear pattern traffic was up. So I had a rummage through the stats this morning. Um, Subscribers just increase at a steady rate, and we haven't noticed a big uptick in that. So you can opt in and receive the email bulletins from the site, and we have a level of organic growth, and it's in the tens or hundreds a month. Uh, and, and that's just carried on as it is. Um, what we have had is vastly more traffic to the site. So you haven't got to subscribe to go in and read the content. You can go and have a look at it. Um, somebody can send you a link. Um, and just to put it in some sort of perspective, our record month on page views was middle of 2018, funny enough. And we'd had 125,000 page views in that month. Um Right. We actually reached that level in January, so we were seeing some growth in traffic. That's generally been our pattern, so there are ups and downs and spikes, but overall the pattern has been growth, very, very significant growth in readership since we launched. So we reached 125,000 in January. In March, we did 240,000, so very nearly double our previous record month, Uh, dropped a bit in April. And May again 160,000 so what what we're saying there is March was our record month and May was our second um, highest month by a mile on traffic so yeah people were at home but avidly searching for news you know scouring for information Mm.
0: every business in the automotive industry is looking for was looking for support was looking for help looking for leadership Um, obviously you have a role to play in that and the provision of your information is key Have you found that garages have have, have flocked to more sort of different types of information than they would have normally done? Are they looking more at videos? Did they want
1: as much COVID support as possible? The point on leadership is an interesting one. So we had to decide early on. what are we going to do? And um, we decided to maintain the level of output, particularly on the news side. So we do two bulletins, a Tuesday and a Friday. And um, Mike and I put our heads together and said, look, it's really important because other things are going to go quiet. People are going to be nervous. That um, we maintain our output and we're absolutely there for the brands and there for the garages to keep things running. And I'm pleased we've done that. Um, um, so that, that was kind of the, the foundation, if you like. We kept it running. Um, there, there was definitely a different type of information through the crisis, particularly in the early stage. So um, normally, non-crisis times, what does well, news, so breaking news. And our currency is finding those stories and getting them out there quickly. There will be other places, but people know, yeah, if it's around, GarageWire are going to have it 99 times out of 100, and we're quite likely to be first with it in many cases. So um, we can't control that. So where there's big stories, we get lots of traffic. And obviously, this was a huge story. Um, come back to that. The supplier side of it, what normally works well is case study, testimonial, um, and practical, technical, job useful content. Um, in March, we saw a narrowing down, so people were not reading. You know, not to be flippant about it, were not looking to read the latest new to range uh, piece from X Y Z Brands. Right. You know, so that kind of lighter trade news, the audience disappeared, mm. and there was sort of crisis tunnel vision. So people were all over. Um, what the government guidelines were, whether they needed to close. And then what we try and do is follow those stories. So it's clearly a national story, isn't it? But quite quickly, then IGA, IAAF, the trade associations are getting involved. They're working on the rates rebates. There's details on furlough that are specific to our sector. Um, And of course, the MIT exemption was a huge story. So we're taking national stories, if you like. and we're aiming to add texture to those to make them more relevant to the garages. So um, we're really focusing in on that stuff. And then particularly we're looking for engagements so of where we can develop reader review, um, uh, reaction, comment, that sort of stuff, just to keep the story moving on. That's that what we did.
0: And I guess survival mode, which is what we, we were in and uh, and not to be flippant, it, it, it is only supposed to be a, a temporary one. So you it's natural that they will move from uh, not necessarily being interested in, in that type of information, but it, finding actual content that is critical to the running of their business.
1: Uh, absolutely. And I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. It's it's completely human nature, wasn't it? Like it, in the raw kind of thing, it was a crisis. People are anxious. They're anxious for their families, for their well-being, for their health. Nobody knows what's happening. Um, and it was um, confusion, definitely, a lot of confusion. So we we're trying to cut, 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 cut through that. Um, uh, yeah, and a real narrowing down of focus, a real tunnel vision, which I think is what happens in a crisis. Um, it's moved on, hasn't it? So um, <clears throat> there's absolutely no question that we're moving back towards a more normal pattern of traffic. So the overall numbers might have dropped from those stellar levels of visitors that we had in March. But we can see now much more even distribution. So people are getting around the normal sort of news um, and information that they need to run a profitable garage. So people are getting back to it.
0: And just to go back to that point, I know you're, you're probably going to cover it as well on, on leadership the role of journalism and the responsibility of journalists across all sectors
1: is paramount during times like this. We could talk about that, couldn't we? You know that 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 is an interesting thing, isn't it? So if you look at um, saturation news coverage in the general media mm-hmm. um, and, and whatever your choice of poison—BBC News or whatever it is you follow—yeah, um, I think I think the degree to which on the one hand, they're reporting events in an impartial way and bringing you information. Um, on the other hand, they're amplifying elements of the story, and they can come in with an agenda. And that's where you've got to be really careful. So I was looking this weekend. The we're not automotive relevant, but the easing of the lockdown and the pubs reopening. And they found those pictures of crowded streets in Soho, didn't they? And and you'll know as a journalistic man, and I know as somebody that's got some exposure to news, there's an agenda there. So the news outlets are looking for a street. It could be anywhere. But they want a street with crowded people not obeying social distancing. And then that's what's reported. Personally, it's a bit naughty because I think uh, wandering out in my suburb, which is pretty central Birmingham, there wasn't a lot of chaos at all. People were sat quietly enjoying drinks. They were obeying social distancing, um, and it, it wasn't hectic. There weren't queues of people. But the news there were looking for a specific angle. A couple of weeks before, it was Bournemouth Beach, wasn't it? And, I'm, mm. and no doubt, it was chaotic. And those situations do present challenges. But um, I think as news outlets, what I'm saying in a roundabout way is we've got to be careful to, to bring the news, rather than to try and bring an agenda and skew the story. I often
0: talk about how well the aftermarket has done in terms of social distancing. I think we could t- teach many sectors a thing or two um, about how we have measured ourselves of how we have implemented processes what's your, been, what's been your overall sort of thoughts on, on on our on the aftermarket's response during the pandemic?
1: The way it's responded is absolutely to do with the dna of the way the sector is so the aftermarket is an enterprising trade okay and and um we should not forget demand for all of our services um content writing journalism uh supply of parts supply of garage equipment comes from the motorists but ultimately it feeds in via the garage so that's the engine for the trade isn't it they're driving the demand and we're all working around that um garages are smaller businesses generally, with hands-on operators, aren't they? So owner-operators. And if you look at what they're doing in good times, they're doing a difficult job. So they're working on very complicated bits of machinery, these motor cars now, um, and they've got behind the cars, manufacturers that don't particularly want to help them. So mm. they will make information available. They will make spares available, but it's somewhat reluctant because they're pursuing their own commercial agendas and they'd like to capture what they can into their own dealer networks and so on and so forth. So I think what that gives you is a mindset among the garages that's used to overcoming problems. So if you're a garage owner, you do not expect your job to be easy. You know that you're going to be dealing with difficulty, technical challenges, um, um, and you're tolerant of that. That's business as usual. Um, and I think because of that, they've responded really well to the crisis. Um, you know, so it's a, it's a completely left field example. Nobody expected it, but it's yet again demonstrated. Yeah, garage trade. This is a resilient sector and these people overcome. Um, so we saw them responding pretty quickly, I thought. Um, and again, I think recovery is a dangerous word um, because the levels of business are way down. But if you look at the mindset and things I'm hearing anecdotally, it's quite surprising how positive garages are and how willing to invest they are. So. If we go back to the fact the crisis broke, it's a heck of a shock. It's easy to retreat into your shell, isn't it? But speaking to people that have got garage equipment programs, they're saying, yeah, we're really busy. We've had loads of orders. So um, this could be rebate money that the garages have got and they're looking to put to work by investing in capital equipment. Could just be a mindset where a garage owner has been sat at home and it's this cliche of working on versus working in the business, isn't it? So I'm no longer working in the business. I can now think about my business and I can start to plan and I can come out firing and do these things that I wanted to do. So, um, you know, I I may be over-optimistic, but I can see see a big bounce coming. And I've, I've spoken to another supplier that's saying one of our frustrations is we've got really good products and we don't get garages saying, I I don't like it. um, It won't work. They say, I don't need it. A lot of the garages, so they're visiting better quality garages and they say, Oh, we're booked up three weeks in advance. You know, we haven't really got the room for it. We haven't got the time. I think that mindset is going to change. So probably, that garage or those garages are now going to think. Actually, every opportunity to develop income streams and profit and bring in new customers, we need to maximise them. So, uh, so I think the trade is going to come back hungry, isn't it? Um, yeah,
0: I, I think you're right. I think I mean I'm ever the optimist, and I've seen great efforts by by garages to to work on their communication as well with with motorists. And uh, obviously, I was part of a webinar this week with Haley Powell's and. She was talking about how much she's communicated with uh, the motorist, but also how the attitudes have changed. That There's almost a greater appreciation between the motorist and the garage. Now, ironically, further up the chain, I've seen a few disconnects. So if you take businesses that stayed open, they have picked up business and I think they've retained that business. Whereas those that closed for for no fault of their own... uh, they've they've often lost that garage business I've seen on the forums I'm sure you have as well it's probably been on your Facebook pages the garages have have said you know the motor factor closed without no prior warning Um, and they they didn't tell me they were closing so I think there's a it might be anecdotally but I still think there's a there's great work going on between the garage and the motorists. I think there might just be a little bit of a repair job uh, pardon the pun with between the factor and the garage in terms of just making sure that they're as close as they they can
1: be. I completely agree. And I think um, I can see demand at the consumer level, hitting the garage. Um, What I worry about with the supply chain is you're trying to turn an oil tanker, aren't you? So um, a lot of these products coming in a long way, orders were canceled, factories were closed, logistics change was disrupted. So um, yeah. Customers are going to be coming in with this autumn spike in MOT. They're going to be looking to get work done on the car. Um, it, it would be an absolute crying shame, wouldn't it, having come all this way um, uh, and had all this collapse of demand if, when the demand finally comes, people are losing business because there's product shortages or mm-hmm. um, or, or service gaps. So I, I think the factors and suppliers absolutely need to be brave um, and stand behind the garages. Um, and you know, we- you, you're a guy that's working in the marketing area i suppose that's my background i think it's an interesting thing that uh, in the good times these brands have spent the fortune trying to develop an image haven't they and then um obviously it's a big problem and it's a corporate type of mentality i think that when you have this problem you just you just pull back you just rein in the spending but as i say having been there in the good times um um, some of these brands have just disappeared without trace um, mm. in the crisis. And, and, and um, garages have long memories, so garages are definitely going to remember the factor that it stayed open, the brand that they could still get hold of, um, and they'll support them, there's no doubt. From a marketing and brand perspective, I just question the wisdom of retreating. So we've spent fortunes over 15 years establishing this brand image. Now in the crisis, we've cancelled our advertising budgets, all of our marketing. So we're not doing anything to add value. We're not bringing any technical information. Our brands disappeared from visibility. So, yes, I understand it. it's an economic necessity. You had to save some money. Um, but from a brand equity point of view, unfortunately, I think lots of brands have done themselves a bit of damage and they need to be looking back. Is my opinion.
0: In terms of GarageWire going forward and how you look at changing your content uh, to fit this, this new normal, uh, what sort of things are you going to be looking to introduce to, to equip the garage with all the, the necessary information they need going forward? And are you seeing, again, more trends in sort of more, more technical videos, more online? Are they embracing digitalisation?
1: Generally, our business is is more around constancy, so it's more around staying the same, and we're we're a a conduit for other people's content in the main. So we're gathering some information, we're facilitating development of stories, we're liaising with garages, but a lot of that content is about work we're doing in the background with um, agencies like Your Good selves or with the brands directly to... um, Uh, either deliver angles that we're given or, in some cases, we can make suggestions and and, and help develop it. Um, So so we'll we'll carry on doing that. I mean, video is definitely an interesting one. Uh, The the garages like it. So I, I always think with video, it's a very dense medium. So a couple of minutes video if you started trying to convey that by written word, you'd have a five-page mm. article, wouldn't you, which people yeah. don't want to read on their smartphone. So, as a way of conveying information, video is great. If you look at the PR and marketing output of most of the brands, I think it lags demand in that area. So, I think the garages would like to see more video. I mm. think they embrace it. We see it performs very well on the site. Actually, there's not a lot of it about because it's quite difficult to produce. Um, um, you know, Another great thing is it, 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 it's evergreen. So... We've got videos that have got um, pushing up towards 200,000 views on YouTube, and they've had views on Facebook as well, so that's right at the upper tier, but um, if I go and look at that next week, it might have 203,000, 205,000. So once that content's out there, it generates its own traction on the web. I, I see a very strong bounce coming, like I say, and it's hard to move away from that. So there's going to be a lot of MOTs coming through. Um, we looked at government stats on car usage. Car usage is already, even now, it's above the level it would normally be at. So train, bus, um, tube, way down 20 to 30% of normal levels of utilisation. Right now, even though the country hasn't gone back to work full steam ahead, car use is 101%, 102%. So I think by the time we get to September, October, you know, sadly for the dealers, not much new metal being sold. So there's an older park of cars um, being used more, um, falling out of warranty um mot at 150 200 percent of demand for a period of months there's going to be a lot of business out there um I, so I, yeah i'm optimistic no question at all james onions director of garage wire
0: thank you very much for your time
1: today all right it's been a pleasure thanks mark